Peter. Word for word, Tasya of him. That's what a capital H says of the Lord. Aravinda Nayanasya of the lotus eyed Lord. Pada Aravinda of the lotus feet. Kinjalka with the toes. Vishra mixed. Tulasi, the Tulasi leaves. Makaranda, fragrance. Vayu, breeze. Antashkatana, enter within. Sovivarena, through their nostrils. Chakara, made. Tesham, of the Kumaras. Samkshobham, agitation for change. Akshadajusham, attached to impersonal Brahman realization. Api, even though, Chittatango, in both mind and body. Okay, so put that all together in English. And it sounds like this. When the breeze, well, first of all, yeah, let's, because I just got back. And I really don't feel like I've come back yet. <laughs> Everything's being experienced through a, a haze of uh, illness. I needed to look back and see how we got here. Here's the Kumaras, Darsha and Supreme Lord. I mean, they're impersonalists. They're fixed in Brahman. So for the first 10 verses of the chapter, I discovered the universe was covered by darkness because he's in my train relating to Vidura. Anyway, it was described how this um, how this whole pastime of the Lord's came to be, like the cursing of the gatekeepers and the fall. So uh, the universe is covered by darkness in the first 10 verses. Then in the next 12, the Kumaras travel to Lekunta because they can go anywhere. They're great yogis. And then, then for just a few verses, Brahma comes in and he glorifies Lekunta. We have a description of the kingdom of God as the chapter. <clears throat> and then for about 12 verses, we see the gatekeepers. They're preventing the four Kumaras, these very innocent uh, yogis. They look, uh, they keep themselves in these very innocent bodies. They never appear to age beyond the age of five. Because it's when the body needs to get older that you know, the karmic desires manifest. So they're very wise to just keep themselves uh, youthful by their mystic power. And 
So the gatekeepers obstruct the Kumaras, and then the Kumaras curse them. What is this? This is the spiritual sky. There's no duality here. These people are must be imposters. They're not real. Very good to people. So they keep curse them. So when this is so when the gatekeepers, they were also a puppy, you know, who these who these kids think they are, they're barking in here and then they, and then they get cursed. So then the Lord comes to harmonize everything in text thirty-eight to forty-five. The Lord arrives. The Kumaras are struck with wonder by the Lord's beauty, gazing at him with as Abdul Babu spoke yesterday with unsated eyes. That means they couldn't get enough of looking at the Lord. You know, no matter how pretty looking or sounding or smelling or touching or tasting is in this world, they reach a satiation point. But there they were, attracted to nothing material, and they were just gazing at the Lord with unsated eyes. So now today, so when the breeze carrying the aroma of tulasi leaves from the toes of the lotus feet of the personality of Godhead, entered the nostrils of those sages, they experienced a change both in body and in mind. Even though they were attached to the impersonal Brahman understanding. So this is a very famous, one of the most, if not the most famous example in the Bhagavatam. As people fixed in the Brahman conception of the truth. It's all one and it's all connected, and everything is God, and, which is partially true. And then, but they're now they're being uh, shocked actually into a higher realization. When the breeze carrying the aroma of Tulsi leaves from the toes of the lotus feet <coughs> of the personality of Godhead entered the nostrils of, the, of those sages, they experienced a change both in body and in mind. Even though they were attached to the impersonal Brahman understanding. So she was Prabhupada's purport. It appears from this verse that the four Kumaras were impersonalists or protagonists of the philosophy of monism, protagonists, propounders in this sense, propounders, champions of the philosophy of monism, becoming one with the Lord. But as soon as they saw the Lord's features, their minds changed. In other words, the impersonalist who feels transcendental pleasure and striving to become one with the Lord is defeated when he sees the beautiful transcendental features of the Lord. Because of the fragrance of his lover's feet, carried by the air and mixed with the aroma of Tulsi, their minds changed. Instead of becoming one with the Lord, they thought it wise to be devotees. And here's the kicker, here's the, the punchline at the end. Becoming a servitor of the lotus feet of the Lord is better than becoming one with the Lord. Rabbi would say that a lot. I'll read that again. Becoming a servitor of the lotus feet of the Lord is better than becoming one with the Lord. Sometimes Prabhupada would say, yes, the impersonalists are trying to become one with God, one with everything, one with the Absolute. But they don't know that the devotee, he becomes more than God. 
because he conquers the laws of love. That's the, uh, the secret. <coughs> and I'm just going to read the last verse because it goes together. This sort of completes the conversion, so to speak. Translation, the Lord's beautiful face appeared to them like the inside of a blue lotus. And the Lord's smile appeared to be a blossoming jasmine flower. After seeing the face of the Lord, the sages were fully satisfied. And when they wanted to see him further, they looked upon the nails of his lotus feet, which resembled rubies. Thus they viewed the Lord's transcendental body again and again. And so they finally achieved meditation on the Lord's personal feature. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master is forcing open my eyes with a torch of knowledge. I have a very spectacular basis in my mind. I mean, even growing up in, in a, one of the Abrahamic religions, you know, Christianity, at least nominally, it was so it was so distant. It was such a distant experience of God that in my later years, when I made my mind up to go find the truth, I never considered it might be quote unquote God, because God had been presented in such an unattractive way, frankly. At least in the church where I went. <laughs> So, um, and then one day I had an epiphany in the Boston Temple after I'd been there about six months. I mean, six months in the temple, you know, going on and on and studying books. You know, in those days there were classes in all the books by Prabhupada's order Gita, Bhagavatam, Nectar Devotion, Isa Pandishyana. It was a nectar devotion class, it was in the evening. And <laughs> somebody was reading about Krishna playing with the coward boys. And a group of Goswamis uh, beautifully weaving in philosophy with Krishna's pastimes. And, uh, and then it hit me wow, we're, we're talking about Krishna and the coward boys. And that's the same person that I always heard about when I was a kid. It's God. Wow. So um, that's why Prabhupada said to me, the attorney who was helping him incorporate his cut in 1966, the attorney said, why do you, why do you want to call it his cut? International Society for Krishna. No one knows who Krishna is. But just call it God consciousness. But for Prabhupada, it was, that was the point. They don't know who God is. They don't know what he looks like. They don't know what, uh, where he lives. Prabhupada said they know his name, his address, you know, his phone number. <laughs> so there's no clue, really. 
unless you go to the mystics in these traditions, whether it's Islam or Judaism or Christianity, you don't really have a clue about the personality of God. The name, the names, the forms, the qualities, the pastimes. So I, I, it took six months for me to actually connect that Krishna is God. Because <laughs> he was, Prabhupada was presenting him in, in such an attractive way. He was just presenting him as he is. But it's all packed into that phrase, Mogama, the supreme personality of God, the majesty of God and the intimacy of, of the supreme. So the Kumaras, they're fixed in Brahma. And that's a very exalted realization of reality, that everything is one, uh, that there's really no duality, and therefore they weren't attracted to anything uh, material. They were just sober, so dear, they were dear, they were sober. But here, they're getting darshan of the personal feature of Brahma, the Param Brahma, the source of Brahma, and they're amazed that nothing that ever attracted in the material world, material form, all of a sudden, not even directly, Krishna's lotus feet, but they just caught a whiff of the breeze which had just passed over Krishna's lotus feet, decorated with Tulsi. So they were getting a whiff of Krishna's lotus feet mixed with the fragrance of Tulsi, and they were like, wow. And they had never been like, Nothing could ever, you know, we, the word is disturbed, usually you think that is a negative, but it means arouse them. You know, nothing you could ever experience in the world and remove them. They just were fixed in the, in the absolute oneness of it all. <coughs> so, now this verse is so famous that Lord Chaitanya, who is Krishna himself, quotes it. In the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the Madhulila, the middle, the Madhulila pastimes, um, he's traveling to Vrindavan, and he's with a Brahmin, a very gentle Brahmin, and he's he's sharing a lot of things with the Brahmin, and uh, oh, let's read it. It's a few verses. Just it's Madhulila. In chapter 17, the Lord travels to Vrindavan. I'm going to read text 140 through 142. And 142 happens to be the same verse, but Prabhupada gives a different purport. <coughs> so it's always fun to see how, in different contexts, Prabhupada explains the same verses. So text 140 is also a famous verse. This is the verse that Lord Chaitanya explains 64 ways. That's a hint, you know the verse. The Atma verse. That even those great souls who are Atma self-satisfied within, they don't require anything external. But they don't they're not interested in anything external in the material world, like the Kumaras. So the verse is uh well it's famous on the street of Sanskrit. Atma Ramash Shabuneo to the Munis. Nirvranta apyurukrame, kurvantyahe to king bhaktim, itam bhuta gunobari. So, quote, Lord Chaitanya says, 
Those who are self-satisfied and unattracted by external material desires are also attracted to the loving service of Sri Krishna. So they're not attracted to anything material, but they're attracted to serving Sri Krishna, whose qualities are transcendental and whose activities are wonderful. Hari, the personality of Godhead, is called Krishna because he has such transcendentally attractive features. As we say, nama, rupa, guna, lila, forms, qualities, and pastimes. And then Mahaprabhu says, E Sabarahu Krishna Sharana Sambande Atmana Mela Mana Hare Tulasira Gande. Apart from the pastimes of Lord Krishna, when apart from the pastimes of Lord Krishna, when Tulasi leaves are offered at the lotus feet of Sri Krishna, even the aroma of the leaves attracts the mind of self-realized persons. So that's setting the stage <coughs> for this in this next verse. Visit the Lord's temple many times. 
So in Vrindavan, we have seen many Mayavadi sannyasins who do not even come to the temple of Govindaji, Gopinath, or Madana Mohan because they think that such temples are Maya. Therefore, they are called Mayavadis. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu therefore said that the Mayavadis are the greatest offenders. So there's a little hint too. I mean, if we really die to the wool, committed impersonalists or atheists, then we won't be attracted to the Lord's transcendental natures because we have our own little, as we say, God project. We're trying to be the supreme and be. We don't want to hear it. But by the mercy of Lord Chaitanya, think about it. We all have our stories, right? When we first met devotees that came. And, I mean, when Prabhupada came, he came into the depths of passion and ignorance. So we couldn't claim any pious credits. <coughs> but Lord Chaitanya said such an attractive personality as your Prabhupada that we were attracted to him. He was not a material a person. He had no material desires. He wasn't here to uh, feed our material desires. He was a completely transcendental person. But even though we had no qualification, see, this is the mercy of Mahaprabhu, we were forcibly attracted to him just by, that's called Kripasiddha, just by the mercy of Mahaprabhu, the mercy of Mahaprabhu's Sainapati Bhakta, military field commander. And I mean, I mean, even most of us, when we first came in contact, didn't just see Prabhupada. We, we came in contact with an aspect of Lord Chaitanya's Hare Krishna movement. But somehow when we were attracted, it was something, something very subtle and sublime that we were attracted to. I mean, okay, so Prabhupada told us we've all come because of prasada. But not everybody necessarily is attracted to Prasad. We could all think, you know, what was it about the smell of that temple? Like the Kumara just smelled the incense, or the Tulsi leaves, and the Lord's lotus feet. I think I've told you before, but I, I wanted to test out this lotus feet stuff. Once, after I've been in the movement for two years, I, I was visiting Dallas for the installation of Sri Sri Radha College after the brothers <laughs> So if you've been to Dallas, to this day, even though uh, by the uh, brilliance of the late Tamal Krishna Maharaj, he transformed that uh, Methodist or Baptist church into College Andrew's Palace. Still, if you go there, from one end to the other, there's still a long hallway separating the temple room from Kalachanti's restaurant now, and they get shot, and, you know, the prasad, the room for the devotees. So I was the last one back from the airport for many different reasons. And all the shoes you were lined up outside the temple room. Right? But at the end of the hallway, way down the end, I saw Prabhupada's shoes. So I just sprinted, you know, uh, and I pretended I was stealing second base, right? So 
I sprinted and I did a belly slide, and my nose came up right on the back of the heel of the, the worn, you know, typical Swami shoes, orange, worn, from worldwide travels. And I smelled the most heavenly, like lotus lake from Prabhupada's shoes. And I just, it was like a eureka. Lotus feet, yes! <laughs> so even the grossest, most foolish people somehow were convinced by the transcendental qualities of Prabhupada and, and so many aspects of our Krishna who would taste of prasad. And I think your wife said it was the kindness of the voice of a tool of that attracted her. She never heard a voice so kind. You heard that? So, uh, yeah, this is the, uh, this is not different, not different being attracted <coughs> to the many features of the heart of the so, how, so we have a responsibility to present our, the matchless gifts Prabhupada's given us in it, as it is in an attractive way, because they are naturally attractive. The music, the philosophy, the food, the people, yeah. That's why I, I, I tell the story of how Prabhupada begged us in my initiation. Krishna consciousness is just like sweet rice. But if you put a little sand in sweet rice, ooh, you spoil the whole thing. So don't, please don't put any sand in sweet rice. Yeah. So, um, so we might wonder, well, the Kumaras immediately transformed. I mean, they were so right, right? Such exalted personality. It takes us, you know, we're attracted, but then still, see, the four Kumaras didn't have any material desires. They were done. They were like a Kinshina, or they didn't even, yeah, they were born like that. <coughs> They're Mahajans. Kumara, Kapila, Manu. So they were so ready to go from uh, Brahmabad to uh, Vaishnav from the impersonal realization, the connectivity, the oneness, the glory of existence into the source. Already. But, you know, uh, we tend to hang on to our material desires, gross and subtle. And so we only get glimpses. When we're in the right consciousness, that Krishna reciprocates, and he, he gives us more of um, his darsha in terms of his beauty, his the philosophy, you know, the understanding of reality. We experience him as he is to the extent that we're actually not interested anymore. I thought I would open it up, it's 842, and maybe you could share just a little bit. Like Yogi Devi last night, she shared with me that even though she's been on a long, long and winding path to Krishna, there was always something about Krishna that attracted her. So maybe you could share a little bit of, like in, even in Jamaica? Oh, sorry? Even when you were in Jamaica? Even in Jamaica, yeah, because um, the Caribbean, um, Jamaica is a rich colony mm. where I was born. 
it's all ambience. Mm -hmm. um, and these are exquisite um, Indian countries. Mm -hmm. And when I left in the set after I went to England for the seats, it's Punjabi seats. There's always a distraction, there's always some reason why I need to be on another path. There's always some other path that would suck me. <laughs> <laughs> and then even Sikhism for all over 20 years, and then finally, finally, the only thing that would bring me peace, which was, was the, just about two weeks ago, was the Mahamantra. I really mm. sat down and chanted the Mahamantra mm. out of desperation. That's the mood that attracts Krishna, and somehow you tasted that mantra. So, out of all the Sikh, you know, thousands of Sikh mantras that we do with mudras and yoga, mm -hmm. nothing worked. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I mean, something must have worked if you're with it for 20 years or something. Well, it's, it, it, I'm finished. Right now, but <laughs> you were. Oh, yeah, it did. In that orbit for a lot of long time. Yeah, well, it could work, but it wasn't. Krishna, I saw it. I, I see. Every time I come here, I see this natural world. <laughs> My eyes just open up and I see this natural world. I see the colors. I see. And this is it. We call this a free offer sometimes. Keep that vision because sometimes other visions rush in and you won't necessarily see it like that. He wasn't one of the rats in the race. No, he was, and he, he was a, 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 I mean, 
So they're the conversion, if you will, or the awakening. 
the epiphany was complete. They had gone from big brother bodies to Vaishnavas. But that's just the beginning. It's the end and the beginning. Yeah. And Brahma's going to describe more of Krishna's form. Up to, I think it's 15 texts. 15. There's only a few more verses left in this chapter. Any more? Okay. Dero Data. Dero Data. Hey, I'm glad that you're here. I'm always here. <laughs>